expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. It's our 21st episode of Down and Nerdy, and when we get drunk, it's on our love for Stan Lee. That, and, um, well, when I turned 21, I actually partied a little bit differently. I didn't really get drunk or drink. I actually injected our mainline, really, Venom, like Bane style, but it never really worked out the way I hoped it did, because it ended up being Rattlesnake Venom. And now my balls sound like a pair of maracas whenever I walk. And that is why you can never be a spy. I'm James Witham <laughs> alongside... Nick Battaglia. And, of course, 21 episodes. And we are, what, speaking of balls, we're balls deep in San Diego. <laughs> we are balls deep. <laughs> I mean, there's so much going on. And as there should be, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's San Diego Comic-Con. You said it before we went on the air. It's our Super Bowl. And it's nerd culture Super Bowl. It's nerd culture Super Bowl. This, this is what... San Diego Comic Con is to us nerds. It is like Media Day. It's it's pretty much if you take the NFL Super Bowl Media Day and just made it like a like five days yeah, long. Yeah. That's that's, that's what Comic Con is to I've us. I've kind of been describing it as a dog that sees a squirrel for four days straight. Mm. Because you are not gonna get a nerd's attention during Comic-Con week, no. it's just not going to happen. No, it, it won't. It just can't. I mean, the greatest, best thing can come out on Netflix, and you're still glued to Comic-Con coverage. Oh, absolutely. I wish that's... You know what? And I'm going to go on a rant just for a second before we talk about what we did over the weekend. Rant away. I don't understand why a network like Spike TV or Sci-Fi Channel is not live-streaming at Comic-Con, not maybe not all day, but at least, you know, starting in the afternoon, like say noonish, one o'clock, when things really start to get rolling, like G4 used to do. Yeah. Why are you not doing it? I'm going to tell you right now, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. I'm going to tell you what was on Thursday afternoon on those channels. Okay. Sci-Fi Channel was running the movie the sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right before I came over here. Well, I mean, so. I mean, I mean, I mean, that is an instant classic, though. James. Oh, of course, yes. I it mean, is. I mean, it is. It is a great piece of no, masterpiece get theater. Get down! No. So they were running that, and then Spike TV was running something that they never have on Bar Rescue. So, I mean, I love how like Spike TV back in the day was like the ultimate like man channel. Like yeah. it was no, literally, like Spike TV back in the day. For people who don't know, it used to be TNN. Then I went to yeah, Spike. exactly. And right. TNN, the reason why I know it because I used to be a big wrestling fan growing up. So, oh, yeah. So Raw was, yes. you always had Monday Night Raw on TNN, and you had SmackDown on UPN, yeah, which is right. now CW. And now it's Spike. And Spike, when Spike first came out, there was a lot of like male programming. Um, you had stuff like Mansers. I mean, there's still some of that. But, but I mean, it was supposed to be our Lifetime channel. And, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and And it's like, Bar Rescue? Like, really? Like, that's the best you can do? I'm not asking... And that's all they run, and that and Spike cops. TV... And I mean, Spike TV, I mean, they had, like, Ripley's Believe It or Not on there, I believe, which was awesome. But, it, 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 you know, when G, something like G4 goes down, like, when, like, when it's no more, if I'm running a stage, I'm like, okay, we got... Like, like the nerd market is such a huge... Fucking Especially market. now. We talked about this at great length in our other episodes. Yeah. Now is the time to strike when the iron's hot. So in, to run that, and I mean, I know IGN's doing their stream, and they, they've been doing a good job of uh, covering things. I just wish it was longer. I want to be, when I was watching E3, 
Oh God! And the you know yeah. the the presentations that were being done there, and you could stream those. They actually had them on Spike TV. Where in the blue hell is my stream of Hall H's presentation for Marvel for DC? I know they haven't happened yet, but you know stuff like that. Why yeah. is that not and, on TV? And I understand that the main reason. Could be for people saying, "Well, you know, there's a lot more going on at SDCC than you know E3," and that is true. I mean, it, they, you know, it comes down to like, but G4 comes, did but it fine. But G4 did it fine, and they were a smaller network yeah. than Spike TV and sci- especially Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, and with the Will Wheaton project coming yeah. out and being as popular as that's it is. the thing too. You would think because Sci-Fi has something like the Will Wheaton project, which is Fucking hilarious, it's awesome. by the way. It's great. Oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever for nerds. Um, and when you have something like that, you think, well, so how can we capitalize on this? San Diego Comic Con. Hey, let's send Will to San Diego Comic Con. And I know and they're going to cover it. it. I know they're going to cover it on their show on Tuesday, which is their regular night. But, I mean, you do it live, man. I mean, you want ratings? You want to sell advertising? You want to make money? Come on, man. Pick up the ball and let's do this. You want to make more horrible 3D Panthers that kill people? That's how you get the money. I know. If you want to make, as Jon Stewart said on The Daily Show the other day, Shark, Skeeto, Nato or yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah. Or with the crocodile twist kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, just please cover co- – this year of all years, how do you not cover it? Well, especially because like, with all this – you know, that's the last I'm going to say about this, but especially with all this big news coming out. I mean, we're, I mean – the thing is, too, is this is kind of funny. I mean, I've actually got a couple messages from people that love our coverage. We're two guys. Well, Cody's a third. So it's three guys. 24-hour coverage of Comic-Con. Yeah. That's, like, like we're hauling ass. And we're thousands of miles away. We're on the other fucking coast. And we're, you know, constantly, like, sending each other, hey, here, did you hear about this news? No, we don't get to hear about this. Yeah. Okay, let's you know, let's post or whatever. And it's like that's the thing. Like so three guys from Virginia Beach can do tw- really good. I mean, our stuff's getting a lot of views on it. Not just you the know, big names, either. No, we're giving you everything. We're giving you IDW image everything. I mean, this episode is based around the rise of the indie comics. That's right. So, I mean, we're giving you everything. So, he said three guys are giving you tw- literally pretty much 24, at least 22 hours of, of content. Because it's Comic-Con and you never know when news is going to come out. I mean, uh, there were there was a time where this week I was sitting up 3 o'clock in the morning and breaking news happened. Because it's Comic-Con. This is the way it's going to yeah. happen. You, you text me to be like, oh, this hey, this just came out. This news that, that just came out. Yeah. Like, of, of course it would. It's ridiculous. So I mean, then you got to remember, to... though, that 3 o'clock in the morning is 12 o'clock there. So, I mean, exactly. it's three hours behind. Exactly. So we're trying to give you all the coverage that we can. As a matter of fact, since we're recording on Thursday, we won't be able to do a full Comic-Con show. But our next episode is going to be San Diego Comic-Con. All of it. The whole episode Will be about San Diego Comic-Con. And we're actually going to do that especially, I believe, we're going to record it on Monday and release it on a Tuesday. That's right. As a matter of fact, we will be covering what's happened so far yeah. at San Diego Comic-Con in this episode. So, you know, you still want to stick around for that because we are going to be doing that. But let's get into, you know, what we were doing this weekend. Okay, so you start because my weekend was pretty boring. Okay, well, my, my weekend, I wouldn't say it was boring. But I actually, you know, I'm probably going to start talking about becoming a dad a lot because it's going to happen. It's, it's, it, the little guy is literally about to drop out of your yeah, wife. It, it's happening. He's, you know, he's lower now. It's about to happen any day. So I, it was time I had to put the crib together. It's like, okay, so let me, so when we talk about your son, the son, it's kind of like 
in Man of Steel where he's like in the little spaceship he's just going straight towards, towards yes, Earth. Yes, exactly. Much. He is on his journey as we speak. Yeah. We're not supposed to be due for another month, but it's that's So not you put together the crib, or as you call it, the crate. I did. I called it a crate twice. I've had nothing but puppies my entire life. I mean, I've been around kids, but <laughs> called it a crate twice in front of my wife, which <laughs> she, she thinks is hilarious. And by the way, speaking of your wife, oh my God, that video of her saying like, are you done yet? Hilarious. Yeah. Because after I saw that, I texted you. I'm like, dude, do you need help? Because, like, there's things just in pieces, and you're like, and you immediately text no, this is a right of father, <laughs> of manhood. I will fucking I get this. I did. I had to do it myself. It was that rite of passage. And I will fess up right now. I don't know if this is good or bad. It took me four hours. I will preface that by saying that this isn't some normal crib. If you've ever gone to look at cribs before... They have these cribs where the changing table is already attached. It's got a little dresser that is attached to it. There was all that. So it wasn't just a regular Why did you just get your son a bat cave? Like a baby bat cave? Well, it's kind of going in that direction. Really? You wait till you see some of the stuff that we're putting up in there. As a matter of fact, uh, the folks from Super Lampshades are making some letters. I saw it. I saw that. They were pretty awesome. Pretty fan- the ones that I've seen so far is pretty p- fantastic. I think Blair's holding out on me, though. She won't show me the Batman one. No, because she knows. It's she... probably just be like one giant thing of Harley Quinn. Yeah, and she knows <laughs> that She knows that uh, that I'm really psyched about, about that. So they've done a great job. And the art that I did is up there is, is going to be up there as well. Yeah. And I'm going to try and do some more stuff, trying to branch out, you know. But it took me four hours. But I decided to, do, to time myself on how long it took me. What did I do? I put on the Back to the Future trilogy. Oh, nice. It started from the beginning. Nice. And right about when number two ended is when I finished. Okay. So it was right at like when Back to the Future 2 ended. There's only one man that can help me, and he runs back out yeah. to where the DeLorean was. and That's right about when I finished. So that's how long it took me. Wow. <laughs> but, I mean, I saw a picture of it. It looks really, really nice. Like, it's, it looks fantastic. So, I mean, how is the nursery... Welcome to Baby Talk, by the way. This is, yeah, this, this is Baby this is, Talk. Now. So how's the nursery coming along, by the way? It's going pretty good. Actually got some Spider-Man curtains nice. in there, which are pretty sweet. Um, I, we actually got two different ones. I got Superman ones, and I got Spider-Man it's ones. It's nice because, to know that I'm being represented in your son's life. See, there you go. <laughs> Us both being big Spider-Man fans, yes. of course. Um, no, I got two different ones because, you know, the wife wanted to make sure the paint color matched correctly and all yeah. that stuff, so... Looks like the Spidey ones won out. Superman went in the nerd cave then. Okay. So I took the Superman curtains, put them in the nerd cave. And so, you know I mean? Once he gets older, if he likes Superman more than Spider-Man, speaking, I'll swap him out. Speaking of Superman, you bought literally the best baby bag I've ever oh seen in my, my life. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, you know, when you're a guy and you're going to be with your baby by yourself at times, you know, you go to the park or yeah, something. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to have a baby bag that has little animals on it. Exactly. You want to make it a little manly. So I'm like, okay, i got to find something. So, of course, I go on Amazon and I'm like, you know, superhero diaper bag. I'm like, there's going to be nothing, right? So then I saw something that said messenger bag. And it was, a, you know, picture your classic animated Superman suit Yeah, is the best way I could describe it. And it said messenger bag, and it said that it had a, a changing pad with it. You yeah. know, for dads, you know, you, you know, you change the baby out in public, you put them on the changing pad, yeah. yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, I'll get this, because I, I made sure it was the right size and everything. Didn't want to make sure it was too small, so it would hold a bunch of stuff. I get it in the mail. All right. I shit you not. 
it the changing pad had this big Superman logo on it. And it's got like pow and stuff all oh, over it. No way. I turn it around. There's a cape on the bag. Yes. It's a red. T- it's a red towel. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. But there's, still, it's, it's adorable and it's amazing. It's got like a little insulator bag for the bottles. That yeah. You put them in. It, it's fantastic. It's it's better than the diaper bag that we had actually registered for it. That's, Everybody that's seen it loves it. Dude, it's bag. so awesome. Do they have like any other measurements? It was just assuming they have like Batman. They have like I actually got flack for not getting a Batman one. So yeah. they said to me, "Why didn't you get a Batman one?" I said, "They didn't have one." I yeah. trust me, people. I looked. I exhausted all possibilities to get a Batman <laughs> one, and they did not have one. I was just happy that I could get something like that at all. Oh yeah, I mean, see it... again, nerd culture exploding. If I can get a Superman diaper bag, oh yeah, in this day and age, come on. I mean, yeah, man. It, it... That's 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 simply awesome. I think we, you know, I think honestly, of all the years, I think this is like the best day and age, especially if you're a nerd, to have kids because it's like there's just so much they can get into, and not just that, but it's like you, there's so much you can mold around them. Like I said, with the baby bag, with the curtains, with oh, this, yeah. you know. I mean, years ago, I mean, I had there when I was little, you know, there we did have some stuff like that, but it was mostly like, you know, with sheets and lunch boxes. Yeah, exactly. Even well, underwear. the lunch boxes were epic, dude. I had a pair, and I do not care. Who, how many women are listening to this? I had a pair when I was a little kid of Super Mario whitey tighties. Yes, yes. Well, we all wore tidy whities when we were a kid. That's what there was, though. Yeah, that's all there was. It's not like we had options. No. You know, that's what we had. I had this Transformers lunchbox. And I I had that thing until the stickers were peeling off. Yeah. And it came, you know, the lunch with the plastic lunch box. Oh yeah. It came with a thermos. Oh yeah. I, and the epic thermos had, transformers. Oh I, man. Okay. The, the one lunch box I had, it was um, it was awesome. It was, it was my first lunch box. It was a black Jurassic Park lunch yes. box. Yes. Um, but it had the logo, the Jurassic Park logo on it. And it had a picture of like, the Raptors on it as well. Like, it was a hard plastic. Like, someone took a sticker of the like, Jurassic Park logo and the Raptors and put it on there. The only problem with it, though, is when you're a little kid and you have one arm. Because it wasn't like a zipper. It was a clasp. So you had to, like, push up kind of thing. I couldn't open the goddamn thing. Jurassic Park, one arm. It kind of works out. It, it does. You clever girl. You clever girl. <laughs> That's why I said to my mom when she, went, when she got me the... <laughs> when she got me that, it been like that Stewie moment. You clever girl. Yes. Yes. But oh, no, man. my weekend was just. I mean, the, this is how I could put my weekend in perspective. Um, in sports, there's always that one week, like I believe it was like last, which is like last week or a couple weeks ago. There's always a couple weeks after like the NBA Finals and stuff like that where there's just nothing. There's no sports. Nope. There's no nothing. Nothing going at on. all, and it's just dead. That's what I, my weekend was because it's like there's no good movies out. I want to go see. Mm. You know, I mean, the Purging. I wanted to go. I wasn't about seeing that, but I'm like, nah, not really. Um, money's tight, man. I mean, you money's can't just, tight. You want to go to just anything? No. Nowadays, you know, um, you know something like there's not much to do. My friends are busy. You got your thing with the nursery going. And, and plus, I mean, with, with you and your wife, it's like, you know, I want you guys to have your, the weekend to yourself. Well, that's what we're doing, too. Because we're soaking it all in as much because as we can. Because in a few weeks, there's going to be no time at all. A friend of mine told me, he said uh, the other day, he told me, he said, do you realize that this is the last few weeks that you're not going to have kids in your life? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm okay with that, but it's just I mean, like I mean, wow, well, no, I'll say this: you have you've had dogs, so they're technically they're your quote oh, unquote, they're fur my babies. Fur kids, yeah, but 
This one you can't leave at home with a, no. with a dish of water and say, no. here you go. No, you can't do that at all. <laughs> well, and not go to prison. Yeah. So, <laughs> and of course, we would never do that. Don't don't even go there. No. Don't Twitter bomb me or anything. I would never do that. So just don't even think that way. But, you know, sometimes you need those weekends, though. You need those weekends where you can just sit on the couch. You can absolutely crash out, read comics, you know, just go with Netflix. Just do nothing. Let your battery recharge. Oh, yeah. Make that's, a stake. That's, kind of that's, that's kind of what I did. Like, Netflix, I really... Was a couple. I watched a couple of episodes of Mad Men um, and stuff like that. But, like, really my weekend wasn't much because I just played, I played video games and I worked. However, this week, I'll say, up, up until yesterday night, actually was pretty interesting. Um, one of my jobs involves me working in retail. And... Um, you know, I work two jobs, and uh, one of them involves me working in retail. And you know, you always have the parents coming with their kids. Speaking of kids, that are they come, they run around, they can't sit still. Their parents yep. are looking at something, and they can't do it. Yep. So I was, I decided instead of you know saying, okay, well, how can I get this kid's attention so that way my coworker and his parents can kind of get something done here? Mm. And I grabbed a piece of paper. And I sat across from him. He was like in his chair. He started fidgeting. And I just started sketching. I just started drawing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, my drawings aren't the greatest, but I, if I take my time, they look pretty, right. they look pretty right. good. Um, but he immediately looks at me and asks, can you draw a beach? And he's like five. Mm. I said, sure. So I drew him a, you know, a beach. I ended up looking more like an island kind of thing. Because a beach well, is I mean, kind of... That's what t- you'd kind of think of, yeah. though, I think. So I had like an island. I had a guy like laying down underneath like a tree. And yes. I had some waves and some birds. And I had a boat and everything like that. And and he liked it. He showed his mom. His mom liked it a lot. And and then brings he literally brings me back another piece of paper and asked me to draw something else for him. That's so, funny. And what was great was there was nobody in the store, really. So... I could concentrate like, okay, I can get this kid's attention. Yeah, exactly. And he was just, and he ended up, what he ended up doing is I was drawing like Pokemon stuff too for him. Just random. I'm like, okay, what can I draw? I'm like, oh, I'm going to draw Pokemon. So I just drew like a mag, like Magneton and stuff like that and and um, stuff that wasn't going to take a lot of time. Right. And he grabs a pen and starts drawing with me. There you go, man. And there you go. this is the most heartfelt part of it was we're drawing and he looks up at me and he goes, are you my friend? Aww. And I said, yeah. And his parents and everybody in the store just went, they did that. They just did the whole awe thing. And I'm like, yeah. And it was pretty cool. And the entire time, like, I'm doing work. You know, a couple people came into the store, so I'm helping them out. And, and he, he asked me, kind of like, like, hey, can you can you come back and draw with me? Can you come back and draw with me? His mom's like, no, he's working. He's got to uh-huh. do his thing. Bottom line, ladies, I'm going to be a great father. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Someday you definitely will be. I had, I had the exact opposite experience at the store the other day. And your story made me think of this. The exact opposite of that. But it didn't have anything to do with me, so that's that's a good thing. Uh, I was um, I was in Target. And I was picking up just a couple of, like, you know, you're out of trash bags to go to the store. Yep. So I'm walking down one of the aisles, and one of the employees was there. And, again, it was a kid that was running around, you know, kind of crazy in the aisles and stuff like that. And the, mm-hmm. mother, the mother had to be four feet tall, I swear. So I don't know how she keeps up with this kid. But fast-forwarding ahead to our little story is one of the employees, you know, was kind of, kind of annoyed at that point. Yeah. Um, was saying, you know, what are you doing kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like... I'm being cute or something like that. He said, I'm being a Oh, he's a smart ass. And then he said, and then the woman's, and then he says, what are you doing? And she says, I'm about to leave and I have to go sit in traffic. You want to come sit in traffic with me? The kid's face drops. And he goes, 
no, mommy, don't let her take me away. And I'm like, oh, my God, what just happened? <laughs> and at this point, the woman's mortified. And the woman's like, she's not going to take you. You know, the mom's like, she's not going to take you away. And the kid's mortified. I'm like, Dude, is, this, is this like Taken 3? Was this kid traumatized somehow? <laughs> he went from little hellion running through the aisles all happy to terrified of someone who wasn't terrifying looking. And that's going to be you in like four weeks. It's uh, it's just unbelievable that, that it took that turn that quickly. I, 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 I just, I, oh man. By the way, so one more thing before we go on to our next topic. So going back to your to your son, um, there's a little bit of a get together next week that I'm going to be going to for your for your for your son, mm. and I already got him a gift, and nice. and and uh, uh, it was when my mom was down here, and remember, and it was and people, you know, it was it was I know you said your wife loved it and everything. It was a Batman onesie. Yes, I think he had the cape and the cape attached use. with the cape attached. And little Batman booties. Yes, and that, I, those went immediately in the wash, so I could have them ready <laughs> for when he comes out. Because you, know, you can't wash and baby then, stuff and just anything. And then, so, so I got the Batman stuff for him. And my mom goes, "What about this? It's like a bike, like a leather jacket, and like a leather hat." And I'm like, "Okay, so you're gonna try to make him a biker? You do know this is a nerd child, right?" <laughs> And I thought, well, he could be Ghost Rider for all we know. Ghost Rider, and you know, maybe that's his first Sons of Anarchy cosplay. Yes! Or something. I mean, you never know, right? Bottles of Anarchy. There you go. We're going to get him into cosplaying at an early age. That way he could be featured in and, cosplay. you know, I, I said it'd be the last thing before, um, but you actually just mentioned it. I actually want to get this out. We do cosplay Tuesday every week, and one of the best feelings I know I have, and I know James does and Cody does, is... When we message them later that night after it's over with, about 1, 2 in the morning, and we say, hey, we want to let you know that you guys were chosen to be part of our Cosplay Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Feel free to post your comments, you know, your pictures and your comments and whatever. And the following morning, I wake up and there's 17 notifications yeah. Yeah, on my Facebook from people saying thank you and just pictures of like, like I mean, one, person was, one person was like, I did not expect this. To see it was like they play. woke up and it made their day. Which yeah, is cool and it's us. like you know that's what it's all about. That's what cosplay Tuesday is all about. That's what we're all about here, just on the show. It's just making you laugh, making you smile, making your day better. Because I mean, there's people that are like you know they go get, they wake up and the first thing they say is, "Hey, who wants to know? You were selected to be on part that's of this." Right. Not you know? not to mention, I mean, you know, we know it's hard for them too to get the word out about what they do. Yeah. Just like it's hard for us. You know, we're trying as hard as we can to bring you a great show and get the word out. We know it's not easy for anybody else either. So if we can help somebody. Get a few more likes or, you know, get them to see their photos and maybe, you know, they team up, do a cosplay to con or something. That by the way, great. by the way, we are at 196 likes. We're a few away from 200. History will be made and should be made this weekend during SDCC. Of all the weeks for us to hit 200, this is the week. So if you know anybody that wants to listen to the podcast and wants to like our page, and the, now's the time with all the coverage that we're doing because we're pulling sources. Yep. From everywhere, we're covering everything, which nobody else is doing, from what I can see. And speaking of covering things, up next is what we're reading. We're covering two new comics this week. Mine, a very, very hefty trade. Um, you won't want to miss what we're reviewing this week for our comics. Again, what we're reading is coming up next. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up. Even though San Diego Comic-Con is this week, it's called Comic 
con for a reason. Hashtag comics. So we always dive in to what we're reading every week. Oh, yes. Now this week we got two. Well, mine's not new. Mine's a classic review. James is a newer one. And so we're kind of going with the, like I said, mine's not really an indie, but it's, well, it's an it, arm. It's though. an arm of DC. But I will pass on to you, sir, All to right, go first. Here we go. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. So I saw an article about this shadow one shot that was going to be coming out from uh, Colin Bunn. And. I was immediately interested, and I'll tell you why when we get into the review. First of all, the co- it's a Dynamite comic. Congrats to them celebrating 10 years of bringing yep. this comic goodness. We'll be talking a lot about them, I'm sure, in our main topic coming up. But Gabriel Hardman, the cover art for the Shadow Number Zero comic, what a fantastic job. It's basically the shadow in chains in the front, Yeah, and you'll find out why here in a second. Art by Colton Worley and colors by Mark Ruda. If I butcher a name, I apologize in advance. But basically, if you don't know about The Shadow, it was based on serialized dramas in the 1930s. There was a, a radio program for yep. The Shadow. They tried TV a couple times in the 50s. I had, I actually, when I was a little kid, I had two Shadow action figures. I had the regular Shadow, and then I had like the Invisible Shadow. I had the regular Shadow, but I did not have the Invisible one. And I'm not ashamed to say I actually did like the Alec Baldwin movie. I like. I never. I never seen the Alec Baldwin. Really? Movie. Yeah. You should check it out. It's kind of corny in spots, but it's it's worth watching. I think. I okay. think it's a good movie. Well, continue, sir. But anyway, basically, the shadow he's depicted as kind of like this vigilante with psychic powers, and wealthy man about town is like his secret identity. Kind okay. Of thing. So he's like the independent Bruce Wayne. Exactly. So I mean, picture that when you when I'm talking about this review. If you're not familiar with the shadow, now basically it starts out. It takes place. In New York, New York in uh, 1925. And who do we see? Harry Houdini. That's what the issue is about. It's about the shadow meeting Houdini. And as it turns out, and I'm not going to dive into everything that happens, but basically Houdini is training the shadow before he kind of becomes the shadow to always be prepared for the next thing. So he's given... Putting him through magician training right. to always be prepared for stuff that's going to go wrong. Always be one, in the magician's term, always be one step ahead of your audience. Exactly. So one thing that was really kind of cool about this comic, and they did really well, was they bounced between the training with the Shadow in 1925 and Los Angeles in 1936 with the actual Shadow. Now what the Shadow's doing in this in this issue, ultimately, he's trying to infiltrate the United Society of Magicians and their hideout. Now you're trying to figure out why they're doing this, and he's going through all these. There's all these booby traps. As he's trying to get in. He's attacked by a tiger. Flaming spears come shooting out at him because they don't want the magicians. Don't want to be found. Turns out this was a group that was actually founded by Houdini, and they kind of turned into assholes. And they decided <laughs> to try and unlock these secrets. Now keep in mind that Houdini has passed away at this point. Houdini died in 1926, so in 1936 he would have been passed on yep. by then. Now, as it turns out, they kidnapped Houdini's wife, and they're actually beating her up. These guys are beating her down to try and get these secrets that she has. Now, we're trying to figure out, okay, what are these secrets? Well, first of all, who are these guys? These are like regular mobsters? These are the Society of Magicians guys. So it's a group of magicians. They don't actually give them by name, per se. But just like a secret society. Exactly. So, I mean, eventually the shadow busts in, and, you know, he does his thing where he's trying to break it up. 
and they're throwing razor sharp cards at him. There's yeah. a lot of action in like three or four pages, and he ends up disappearing and snaps one of their necks. So he ends up killing one of them. So it was pretty awesome, and he rescues Bass's. So uh, it's kind of like wife. that scene in Matilda where she's dancing and she's got the cards floating, except that she broke her father's neck. In this case, Dan DeVito. Pretty much. It, well, that's, that's what the shadows would have been exactly. like. Exactly. So, I mean, you fast forward once he finally saves Houdini's wife, and uh, she calls him Lamont because that's how Houdini knew him when he was alive. And apparently these were secrets that Houdini gave her from beyond the grave. He Ooh. contacted her from beyond the grave like he said he would. And they don't actually say what the secrets are. Because she doesn't want the shadow to know, even though the shadow should already know. Yeah, he's Because psychic. the shadow knows. And maybe he does. Maybe they're kind of, I mean, they kind of don't really say whether he knows what the secrets are or not. And it kind of ends where um, he says that she shouldn't have these secrets because it's too dangerous. So they imply that he wipes her memory, but it's not absolutely this is what's going right. to happen. And this was supposed to be a one-shot, but they also kind of give you the impression that you're going to get more now. So I can't wait to hear more. The story was fantastic by Colin Bunn. Fantastic. Colin Bunn has a lot of really, really great writing. I love a lot of his work. A lot of my, the comics I have in my collection are written by him. And what's funny is it wasn't just the main story of when the shadow was there. It was the backstory of his training was with it, Houdini. That's the thing. It, it, it wasn't just an origin story. Hey, here's when he was born. And da, da, da. This is like, oh, this is like his train. It's kind of like, you know, Batman, Ray Shao Ghoul thing. It's kind of like, you know, right. Dark Knight. Uh, or not Dark Knight, but Batman Begins. It's very similar to that. And the art, as far as the art goes, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was pretty darn good. I'd say right. it was above average. Um, I think that the cover art by Gabriel Hardman was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the story just had a great flow. Even the art was very intricate. Even though it was not fantastic art, it was very detailed. Like they show you the close-up on the chains when he's trying to break out yeah. in the underwater escape. And it's actually a cool way to do this because apparently History Channel is going to do a two-part miniseries on Houdini in September yep. starring Adrian Brody. So I don't know if that had anything – the timing had anything to do with I that. I would love – like speaking of, you know, of Houdini, I would love a Houdini comic book. I would too. And I think that we might get some of that from this series. I think that if they do another issue, you could still revisit 1925 and the training because they didn't really – finish that off. Right. So they really left the door open and for that reason and the fact that the story was so good, I would pull this. If there is going to be more to this series, I would add this to your polls. It's very interesting indie comic and if you're a fan of The Shadow, it definitely does it justice. So definitely add this to your poll list if you're a fan. Yeah, so now mine, now like I said, this is a classic review um, and I actually went out yesterday and bought the trade version of this. You of needed this a you needed a hand truck to lift I needed it a, too. My yeah, gosh. I just, well, I, I needed a, another hand. Well, I always needed a hand, um, but uh, yeah, the hand truck, uh, maybe a couple of loading docks, because um, the book is freaking huge. And what the what my book this week is is Preacher, and Preacher was is made by um, uh, Vertigo Comics, which is an imprint of DC. Right, and Preacher was. Made from 1995 to 2000. It was written by Garth Ennis uh, and Steve Dillon. Cool thing about um, those guys is my friend actually met Garth Ennis and he signed his his copy. Garth has got some good stuff out there too. I like um, his work. And the page length now now this is book one. So it's Preacher book one, and there were 66 issues altogether of the series. Mm. I mean the series ran for five years, so the first 12 issues are in this trade. 
and it's freaking 325 pages. What you do if you think about that? If you were looking at that as single issues, yeah, that's a pretty good issue. That's a uh, that's a lot of pages. Two, well, for example, like I'm on page 81. Two issues are like 81 pages. There like like so you know just just to, in order to read first through the first two issues. It, it was 81 pages Break total. that down, too. I mean, think about it. If that was a three ninety nine comic, you're getting 40 but plus here's pages. The thing, That's though. good stuff. It was actually on sale where I got it. Um, it, it, it was normal, It was sold for 24 bucks, but I got it on sale for like 14 Can't argue with that. Um, and now the plot, for those of you who don't know, um, it's pretty much surrounds there's this evil god, and he's the prince of spawn of an angel and a demon. Um, and his name is Gen- his name is Genesis. I thought you were gonna say Joe Casada. That's another one. No, <laughs> Joe Casada wouldn't be an angel and demon. It would be it would be, um, be a demon uh, and Hitler. <laughs> and Hit- yeah, a demon and Hitler and Stalin in the corner jerking off. Um, that's that's what it, Joe Casada would be. Um, but he escapes from pretty much like heaven has like its own kind of prison. Okay. In the, in the sky so he escapes from there and it's pretty much like a comet with a face they don't really like all you see of it of Genesis is like this white kind of comet it's not like a beast or a form I guess really. you gotta get away from heaven somehow <laughs> so anyways there's this preacher this pastor in this small Texas town um, called his name is Jesse Custer and it starts off with him pretty much he's in his bar and he's drinking and he's like Telling everybody's confessions. Like, this person did this. This person did that. This person did that. And he goes, none of you guys... And he swears, too. Like the whole, it's, it's literally one of the most darkest and most adult books that I've ever read. And I love the fuck out of it. Um, he goes, he's like... He swears, like... He goes, you know... He's like, you motherfuckers never come to church. And, you know, I have, like, two people every day. He's like, you... He's like, you... He's like, you people think you can get to heaven by singing a couple fucking hymns. And you can't. And the next day, that that Sunday, the church is full. And uh, then all of a sudden, Genesis comes down and crashes through a window. Church is obliterated, and it, and it, it, it binds itself with Custer. Wow. And so the angels are up there. And it's all awesome. It's like the angels swear. It's like, it's like what heaven, I think, would mostly be like. And it's just like the angels swear. You like, can do what you want. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, so they have to, they say, okay, Genesis escaped. We have to wake up this guy, this this being. Um, and he's and he's known as the Saint of Killers. And he's like this hunter, pretty much. Cowboyish hunter. He's, he's been hidden in the grave for a while. Okay. And they, it's great because the angel says, open. And as soon as the thing opens, gun comes out and shoots him right in the head. Wow. And he's like, "Why did you shoot me in the head?" And he goes, "It's just, it's just how I, I <laughs> this act. Is what I do, it's what I do." <laughs> and so, pretty much, it's like a, it's a chase story because, mind you, Jesse has never met the Saint of Killers before in his life. But there's a scene where where they have like this kind of like this shootout with the cops, and the cops have their weapons drawn on Jesse, and Jesse goes, "Drop your!" His eyes go red. He goes, "Drop your weapons!" And the cops drop their weapons, and um, you see the Saint of Killers, and Jesse just. Looks to his ex girlfriend, his ex girlfriend Tulip, and this guy that they both or she both kind of met on the run named Cassidy, who has a pretty interesting secret himself in issue two, but I'm not going to reveal it. Um, and he's he just looks and goes, "We gotta get the sh- we gotta get out of here." And he, but he never met the guy, mm-hmm. but some but something in him knew 
I got, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Okay. So, pretty much, it's just like you know, you have this one cop, this what the sheriff who's just like, I know what I saw, I saw this guy. We put so much bullets in him. We shot all these magazines in him. Nothing happened. Nobody believes me, kind of thing. And it's just, it's 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 literally like a big chase. Um, thing, it's a big chase book, pretty much. Okay, so you say that it's a chase book, and now last week you did Amazing Spider-Man Annual, which was also kind of a chase book. So compare which was better and how. What made one better than the other? Because the way that, well, one. I know had, you didn't do this on purpose. No, I'm just curious. But the one it, preacher has, of course, more words in it. Um, the art, uh, which was you know but done by Steve Dillon was pretty good. I mean it was like I think it was if you look if you had to compare it to another comic out there I'd say it'd be like Saga kind of kind of compared okay. to Saga maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. better than Saga um, which is done by Image. Uh, but the difference between them is just there's more going on with Preacher than there is with this with what was it Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it starts off pretty much where the three of them are in a diner and they're pretty much reliving how they first met. You know, um, Tulip pretty shot these these this gangster in the face and was running and met and Cassie was in his truck and she said, "Help me get out of here." So that's okay. how they met. And then they pretty much see, you know, oh my god, this church is on fire or whatever like that. It's blown up and they're digging through it and they're like, "Oh my god!" And she goes, "Holy shit, Jesse!" And that's how they three of them meet. And it's pretty interesting, like I said, because. Because Cassidy kind of has, he has this, like, secret that he, he has it's revealed, like, towards the end of, of issue two. And Preach overall, like I said, it's a really, really dark tone. Because not only do you have the Sam of Killers that's chasing uh, Genesis, which is inside of Jesse, but you have Jesse trying to figure, like, okay, what's going on here? Mm. He's like, I can make people do things that, you know, were just my mind kind of thing. He's like, he even says, he goes, when that light hit me, when you talk about Genesis, he goes... It was like as if it was from God. So it's almost like a your classic struggling with this event that's just happened yeah. to me kind of story. And the, thing with, and the thing with Genesis is that he's not totally evil. Like he has a consciousness kind of thing. Like he's not totally evil, but he's not totally good because he's his father was an angel, his mother was a demon. Right. So it's kind of like you battle with the two halves. Of yeah. Kind of thing. So I mean, I'm really interested. Like I said, I. I Read 81 pages. Now, I'll be honest. I made him stop. <laughs> yeah. I made him stop at issue two because we were talking about it and say, how much of this should I review? I said, it's 300 pages, dude. 325. I said, I said, stop at a couple of issues. We'll talk about that. And then, you know, I'm sure we'll revisit Preacher oh, yeah. later on down the line. But it's, it's like when I, when I announced on my, on my personal Facebook that I was going to review Preacher, I was getting messages from people saying, "Oh my God, that's so awesome!" and and uh, you know, a buddy of mine actually, uh, he was listening to the show, Justin. He actually said, "Dude, are you sure you want to do this? Because you do know it's not like I don't want you to go on on the podcast and say, yeah, I'm writing this new book called Preacher.' Yeah, you know, no, 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 it, it, you know, and well, the artwork in, in between. I showed you some of the artwork, like in between pages. It's very, very good detailed, stuff. and it's like it has a kind of like not, like there's one of Cassidy. It's just a, like a headshot of him." And it's, you know, 1997 and stuff like that. It has the year written on it. It looks like it. You can tell, like, okay, this was drawn in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, it had that 90s feel Which is a good in terms, thing, of, in terms by the of color. Way. I mean, the story's great. I was. This. I, I rarely laugh out loud when I'm reading a comic book. There's a line in here, I'll tell you what it is, is with, with between Cassidy and Tulip, where they're in the diner. And they're, and Tulip, you know, this, this waiter, waiter goes to Tulip and goes, Can I get you to say anything? And she goes, I'll have. You know, pre- preacher goes. 
you know, I have a burger, and she, Casey goes, I'm good, I'm not gonna have anything. Tulip goes, oh, can I have a chicken salad, but just, no chicken, just a salad? And Casey goes, what the hell? And she goes, I'm a, and she goes, I'm a vegetarian. He goes, you know, I have a, and Casey, Casey's a smart ass of the group. He goes, you know, I have this really amazing um, recipe for quiche. And you mix this, you do that, and then you know what you do afterwards? You make it? You throw out the fucking window and grill yourself a goddamn T-bone steak. <laughs> and I read that and I was laughing my ass off. I'm like, this is such great writing. And when I read it, I'm like, oh my god, this is, I even text this. I'm like, this is literally the most darkest yep. adult book I've ever read in my life. And the reason why, now here's the reason why I'm glad that Vertigo did it. And the reason, here's the thing that people might not know about, the reason why there are imprints. And companies have them because of the comic book code authority. Mm-hmm. That's why. So was, DC's like, okay, we can't do it under DC, but if we made an imprint and gave it its own thing. Which is can... why Hellblazer was done that way as well. Yes. So, and, and I mean, this, like I said, this, if this had DC on it, you'd be like, no way. Mm-hmm. You know, DC's all about like, superheroes and capes and yay. Yep. And Vertigo's just like, welcome to hell, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> but this is, because it, it, I, I, it's a definite pole, but you can't put it in your pole because there's no, none of it. It's old, right? But it's a pickup. It's a definite buy. It's a, it's a full price buy. That's why we do this, too. You, you know, like people were saying, why are we reviewing, reviewing an old comic? Because not everybody knows yes! that this stuff exists, and you should. Well, that's the thing, too. Is, or, or also, there's a preacher, I believe there's a TV show that's going to be made. Right. A TV show or a movie. Um, they're trying, I think it's in pre-production, but they're trying to get it Seems like, like together. that's been going on for a while. Yeah, we'll it's, it's been in development for a while. Um, and we'll, we'll find out more and, about and that. whenever stuff like this like for example like we talked about a couple episodes ago nobody really read Walking Dead before the TV show exactly so when the Preacher TV show comes out it's based on the Vertigo comics people go back and buy the trades and, and buy Preacher I was at a large book retailer yeah the other day and uh, they actually had all the Hellblazer trades. Oh no! You out. said they were like a, they were like the size of like twenty Bibles. Exactly. And why? Because Constantine's coming out in the fall. And watch those babies sell like hotcakes when that show comes out. Yeah, I mean, just really like I said, both of our stuff this week pick up. You know, great rebound. Like I said, I was looking for because look, you know, I wanted to do because this is our indie episode, so I wanted to get an indie comic, and I'm like. There a lot of the indie comics now. They're in their mid run. I still think you kind of did. I think I did. I think you did. It's not a ma- I mean, it's an arm of DC. It's not DC. Right. It's different. Right. To me, it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But speaking of great ideas and and for books, we're gonna discuss some good ideas, some not so good ideas from Comic Con, and also some other nerd news as well. So we're gonna be kind of combining Comic Con nerd news and be comic news. This week, Nerd News Special Edition, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's coming up next. Well, it's that time once again, boys and girls, nerd and nerds alike, where we go around the internet because it's time for... Oh, fuck it, it's just news this week. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of news. Yeah, and, and <laughs> so, but the first topic I want to get to, though, um, is we're going to some. We're gonna talk about Comic-Con, because that's the most recent thing that happened. And we got some release dates, James. And there's a ton of release dates that came out. As a matter of fact, Sony finally came out and gave us the dates for not just Amazing Spider-Man 3, but looks like Sinister Six is going to jump out first, as a matter of fact. Drew Goddard's going to write and direct, and it's going to be, of course, you know, the bad guy mashup of all the Sinister Six, and they're going to release it on November 11th of 2016. You're thinking, huh, that's kind of curious. Well, now we find out the Amazing Spider-Man 3, which is in flux, and that's an understatement, will now be released in 
in no, 2018. The, the, the flux capacitor in the DeLorean Back to the Future was in flux because it was fluxing. You, you this need, is like, Spider-Man 3 is like, because Orchie left, so it sounds like... You need a lot more than 1.1 yeah. gigawatts to You need that and that a bunch thing. of plutonium you stole from Libyans. Here's my thing, though, and before we move on to the other release date that they announced, I want to just touch on this while we're still on Spider-Man here. You're going to do Sinister Six first. Now, to me, Sinister Six is a gamble already. Yeah. Um, We've talked how, about this. How will... If this movie doesn't... First of all, make a lot of money, which doesn't really matter, I guess. But if it doesn't make a lot of money and it doesn't generate any buzz, how does this hurt the franchise even more going forward? Well, here, well, here's the thing: is you know we mentioned about this when the first you know many many shows ago when the idea first when it was first released that hey we're doing a Sinister Six movie. Um, and I said I go I hope this isn't a movie where it's just origin stories and where and where they're plotting to get Spider-Man. The whole thing is just them plotting, you know. Like, like Lord of the Rings. I hope it's not just people walking to get Spider-Man or walking to a volcano kind of thing, you know? And you're, and the assumption is that Spider-Man's not going to be in this movie. No. Which is... Now, Black Cat, maybe. Maybe. Maybe they do something like that just to get some sort of a hero in there. But to me, this is a gamble, again, with this franchise because... Now you're going to wait until 2018 to put out your next Spider-Man movie, and I guess with everything going on, I get it. I just don't see how, and maybe this is the wrong thing for me to say, I just don't see how this forwards the cause. No, and also, you know, imagine this. This is going to be four or five years until the next Spider-Man movie. That's a lot, man. Andrew Garfield's in his 30s right now. That's a lot. I mean, he's like 31, 32, so he's in his mid to late 30s. He's gonna play. I mean, I understand. I understand that in college, you have people who are like in their forties and fifties at school. But still, it's like. Well, I mean, he can. If he you want to go the amazing route, he's a young teen. He can probably pull it off because I don't think he's gonna be one of those guys that's gonna look that much older. Even no, then, but, but, but still, it's like you know, he. I think he wants to do some other things. <laughs> I don't, well, he'll have time now. He's got four years before this movie yeah. comes out. So but I just he'll have time. I mean. Eh, eh. I, I mean, just I it, it concerns me because I don't see how this makes it better. And I know they want to do Venom. It's another, you know, um, and that pushes that do, back. That pushes that back. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think when you, what I look at this, I look at it from a TV aspect. Okay, you look at a show like, for example, Desperate Housewives. All right, I loved the first few seasons of it because I was like, okay, it was pretty witty, and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, but then the seasons got long. And the same thing, like, like another show that happened to me was Weeds. Like, okay, cool, it's a really good show, funny, whatever. And then, like, oh, God, it literally just went one way, and it's, like, it's repetitive, and it's just not good anymore. It's like, okay, this thing should only have, like, four or five seasons, and then right. just end it. Right. With Spider-Man, it's like, okay, do you really want to do a Sinister Six movie? Like, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it, like, reverse Avenger style, you know what I'm saying? Like, introduce maybe the end of each credit scene a new... Sinister part of Sinister I mean, Six. I'm not gonna lie and say that it's not cool that we're getting a Sinister well, Six no, movie. I'm not saying, but but it's like, what can you do? Like, what other than right, like planning that? Therein lies the problem. What can you do? Like, like are you gonna show like Otto Octavius getting the arms put on him, and that's pretty much it. And like, what are you gonna do? Like, if you're not gonna Spider Man. It's gonna be like, hey, we're gonna plot against Spider Man. How? Like, like what are you going to do? Is this gonna be a roundtable discussion? What's it gonna be? Right. Not only that, but I I realize that part of the movie is gonna be ha- them coming together as one unit, which they kind of teased at the end of Amazing Spider Man Two, which upset but me. By how the way. long? How long is that gonna take? That's the thing. 
I mean, obviously, there's probably going to be a little what, infighting, and they'll be part of that. What said about but... Amazing Spider-Man Two was that was the ending. I'm going to spoil it. So I don't care because it, 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 well, we've already reviewed it. Reviewed it, anyway. reviewed it anyways, but it, Harry's in an insane asylum. He's you know, and he's in Ravencroft, and the man that had visits him, and Harry looks normal, and he says to him, "You look better." He goes, "Oh, I can turn it on and off." That upsets me. I understand that. Because the goblin, one thing about him is that, and this is the problem when I say, okay, they're changing his whole physical appearance. I'm like, why can't I just be like a dude and like a, like not like Power Rangers like it was with the first Spider-Man movie, you know, with Raimi, but like just something, you know what I'm saying? Where like the mouth moves. Well, I like said that. from the beginning that I didn't like the look. The no, goblin look. he looked like the leprechaun's child. I, I liked the, the Raimi version a lot better. It still wasn't perfect, but I liked it a lot right. better than this version. But even the concept art they showed for the Raimi stuff was even amazing, because it, yeah. like, it was kind of true to the comics. But it's like, he can't turn it on and off. The one thing about the Goblin is that he's Jekyll and Hyde. He's like, you know, he goes, he makes you go crazy just randomly. It should always be in his head. He's, yeah, That's the he's point. your conscience if your conscience was insane and ramped up to 11. Exactly. So, I mean, it'd just be very interesting to see where they go with the Sinister Six. Now, the thing that's replacing Amazing Spider-Man Which 3 I'm excited about. in the movie lineup is going to be, finally, we're going to get the Uncharted movie, which is going to come out on June the 10th, can, 2016. And can I say this? The fact that an Uncharted movie is coming out, I do. I believe that, and I know there are two different studios, I do not think we're going to see another Indiana Jones for a long, long no, time. No, I think it'll be a while. And, of course, just want to get this out of the way. It's going to be directed by Seth Gordon. Of course, the scre- screenplay is going to be done by David Guggenheim. Now, here's where it goes left for me. Yeah. The rumor is now, again, rumor, but we got to discuss it. They're talking that Mark Wahlberg no! will play Nathan Drake. No! No, no, I'm no. sorry, but... It- I'm saying this because a this guy looks like Nathan Drake. And I like Mark Wahlberg. I don't know, but I, let's move on. But I'm the guy that I wanted to play Nathan Drake, and I'm not the only one. Should we just say it together because we're both going to say this. On the count of three, let's hold hands. Okay. One, one, two, three. Nathan Fillion. Cody's not even here, and it's obvious. The character's basically based off of Nathan Fillion. And what's Nathan Fillion even doing right now? Well, I mean, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, but as a cameo. For five seconds, he's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, come on. This is a no-brainer. And if you want, people will go see this movie just for him. So there's half your worries right out the window right there. Yes. He can do this. He can easily free himself up for a multi-picture deal if this movie succeeds, and it probably will. So why not do this? Because everybody wants you to, so you're not gonna? That doesn't make any sense. Now, again, it's just a rumor and nothing's actually happened. They haven't casted yet. You better start soon because it's coming out in June of 2016. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming weeks as far as what's going on with Uncharted. Very excited about that, but more exciting for me. Yes, Emmy, don't you dare leave me out of this conversation. And I'm uh, so excited this had I'm finally that this next story we're going to get to finally has a date. Ghostbusters 3 to start pre-production in spring of next year. Dan Aykroyd dropped that bombshell on the Today Show, and he actually said, and I quote, it looks like we'll be in pre-production in the spring of 2015 now. From what I'm hearing, it should be good. Oh, it's going to be good. Because we've been waiting so long. 
for a continuation of Ghostbusters. I wish they'd never stopped making movies, but I do have a couple of concerns with it right off the bat on its surface. Okay. First of all, I think it was Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen that were rumored to be in it originally. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that they were going to go. Paul Rudd for sure. I heard that they were going to go the route of like kind of like the video game where it was like new recruits, like a new generation, which I think is a good route. Yeah, um, which is a good route. I w- I hope that you know. I mean, um, I hope that you know. I know Murray kind of says he doesn't really want anything to do with That's it. That's the problem, though. How can, you can't can have, you do this without him? You can't do it without Vankman because Vankman is the guy that pretty much is the head of it. You know, I mean, you know, if it was like, I know I say, okay, he might be a ghost or something like that, but he's like, no, I don't want to be that way. So it's like, you know, and Roy, as much as I love Dan Aykroyd's character, Roy wasn't really the strongest of the characters. No, as much as I love that movie, I love all three of them. And I love Dan Aykroyd, too. You know, but I, I, Roy, when you have a guy like, like, like Vankman, who was just ahead of it? He had that smart, witty dialogue, and he was uh, honestly. If you're gonna put, if you're gonna put like Seth Rogen or even Paul Rudd, who was that smart wit? I think Paul Rudd would be great. Yeah, if, if it, he had, even if he even has time anymore. Yeah, but if Paul Rudd, who has that wit, and you match up with Murray, that can be some great chemistry oh, on definitely. screen. I agree. So that's my that's my thing. Also, like number two, it was okay. It wasn't the greatest, um, but no, I just think that you know, it's it's it's. I I can't blame Bill Murray for not wanting to be involved with a film that doesn't have a good script. Yeah. So if he read it, didn't think it was good, I get and it. And my main problem, there's two things that, two worries I have. A, it's pre-production. So we know there are movies that are in pre-production hell yep, for years and years and years. Threshold. Yeah, right. So until they say, hey, we're actually rolling camera, okay, it's, I'll believe it. When I, you know, it's kind of when I believe it when I see it. Another thing... Um, is just it's been years since oh, the yeah. second one. A long so time. normally sequels happen years and decades after aren't that great. What if they fill the gap with not having Murray by having somebody maybe it's Paul Rudd as Mur as Venkman's son and they go that route and that's how you can do it without him. Okay. But what, well, I'm not but, saying I don't but know here's how the they thing, do that, but But here's the thing though, Egon's dead. Right, so obviously he can't be in it. Well, no, but I'm saying, like, that's a big piece. Like, he was, you know, the the brains behind the operation. You maybe, know, so that, think, maybe that's how the whole thing gets maybe, completely shut down, though, is him not being there anymore. Well, yeah, that's my that's my main thing. I mean, you know, he passed away, so it's just, you know... I, I think it can be done. I think it should be done. I just, I think there's genuine concerns there, but, I mean, at the same time, should that stop it from actually happening? No, it shouldn't stop it from happening. But give me something good, though. Give me something that we can actually sink our teeth into because just like Bill Murray, we don't necessarily want it if it's a bad script. Right. Now, like we said when we were covering San Diego Comic-Con this week, we weren't just going to go with the biggies, you know, the big movies, the big publishers. Nick, we're also going with our indie folks as well. Yes, well, I mean, we do have friends that work in the independent comic industry. And they're good friends. And they're very good friends of ours. Uh, but IDW Publishing and Comics Experience, LLC, they're actually joined together to publish new creator-owned properties from new creators, which is pretty awesome. It's awesome. And that's something that Drew Moss has told us that IDW has always been very open to. Yep. You can bring them an idea. They won't kick you out of their office. They'll actually listen to what you have to say. And we've got four pretty cool projects that have come yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, you know, now they're going to launch in January of next year. So next year, the first, you know, and one was Drones by Chris Lewis and Bruno Alveria. 
Creature Cops, uh, Gutter Magic by Rich uh, Dueck and uh, Brett Barkley, Tet by Paul Elor and Paul Tucker. Which, if you're thinking Vietnam, yep, it's based around the Vietnam War, so there you go. And, I mean, it's just, it's really, really awesome. So, I mean, and Bobby Curnow, who's the the Comic Experience alum, and he's also the current editor on IDW's TMNT, uh, Godzilla and My Little Pony, he's going to be overseeing this new partnership. So it's great because you got a guy that's like bet on both sides of the coin. I got to be honest, if I'm looking at this list right now, I think I'm most intrigued by Gutter Magic because it's actually set in a world where World War II was actually fought with magic. Hmm. I mean, to me, that's pretty cool. And it says, "In the heir to the powerful magic dynasty can't cast a spell to save his life." <laughs> so I mean, it, it, that to me, that's interesting. You know, what if World War II was fought with magic? I mean, it's it's another one of those what ifs. That I like is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I read a thing for for drones, um, and there it's talking about you know a terrorism themed hotel in Las Vegas. Immediately, I think of Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas game. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna nice. be pre- that's gonna be pretty interesting. I'm, Creature Cops, man, that sticks out to me a lot. It's like it's it, a weird kind of. And it's oh, because I love Saga. Saga is such a weird comic where it has like animals that talk. And, and it's, it's what? I, what's the other tagline? Special creature unit or something? Yeah, like that? special varmint unit. There we go. There it is. Um. But there's one comic, though, James, that is coming out in 2015 that has got a lot of praise on the television circuit. This has jumped right off the page. And the fact that IDW is going the BBC route once again. They had Doctor Who for a while before the license moved to Titan. Now they've picked up on Orphan Black. Yes. Which is a very cool thing. I think it's a big get for them, a big announcement from them at Comic-Con this week, and they've actually come out and said that in the press release that it will not be a clone of the show, but it will feature all new stories set in the complex and thrilling world of Orphan Black. Now, here's the thing. The interesting thing about that is they're actually, when, when Orphan Black, when the episodes are done each season, that's when the comics are going to be coming out, Which and, is they're, brilliant. and they're going to be bridging what happens in between each season. Which I hope a lot of, which is well, this is what a lot of indies are doing. We'll be talking about that coming up in our main topic yeah. with the uh, the rise of the indie comics about how that's starting to happen, and I think that that's really smart because I'll use Arrow as an example for me. Right when that Arrow finale stopped, my first reaction was, "Oh, I gotta wait until October now to find out what happened." Or in your mic is, "Oh, I gotta wait for it to come on Netflix." Yeah, there. Well, then there's that too. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's a great way to bridge the gap. And they said, um, Editor-in-Chief Chris Ryle from uh, IDW actually said that the second season expanded the series in exciting new directions that has only increased the amount of stories that we'll be able to tell in comic form. So the way season two ended right. for Orphan Black actually opened the door. And this is not IDW's first trip no. into the TV realm. No, I mean, they've done Doctor Who uh, you know, they 24, Angel, CSI, X-Files, tons and tons more. You could throw Transformers and G.I. Joe in there Milo, as well. My Little Pony if you want to. I mean, so they've got a huge amount of experience in doing this sort of thing. So I think the BBC, they've had good luck with IDW and Doctor Who, so they decided to, you know, hook up with them once again to do this. And just a great way to start out Comic-Con, I think, for the guys at IDW. Great job. And like I said, like I said you know, we're going to have more. We have 24-hour coverage of 
you know, kind of, kind of course we're not doing it now because we're doing the show. And we'll get into all of it, too. We'll talk about the the Ant-Man poster that came yeah. out, the Jurassic Park concept poster that came yep. out as well. All the posters, trailers, Hall H, we got you covered. So next week will be our big Comic-Con, big Comic-Con episode. But right now it's time for our regular Nerd News! And the first off, we start off, well, very, very... Sad news uh, for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons, uh, especially if you work for Microsoft or Xbox uh, in the Xbox division. Um, they announced last Thursday that they were going to be shutting down their Xbox Entertainment Studio. Microsoft is, and they're going to be laying off eighteen thousand people. That's a lot of people. Eighteen thousand over next year, and about twelve thousand five hundred of those, James. They're they're going to be the factory positions, and will be professionals. Um, they're going to be cut as part of its. $7.2 billion acquisition of Nokia's handset business, um, which it closed back in April. Right. And so it's kind of like, this is what happens. You know, when people say always oh, mergers are so great. Great. This is what happens when mergers ha- happen. Did this need to happen, too, is the other thing for me. No. I and mean, they had some new and innovative things that they were trying to create on their own. And then through this business decision... It basically renders at least 50% of their presentation that they had at E3, it renders it absolutely moot because now most of this stuff isn't even going to happen. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, now here's some things that aren't going to be affected. Microsoft's come out and said this. Um, programs are already in development like Signal to Noise, which is a documentary series. Uh, about Atari, Steven Spielberg's they get to produce TV series based on Halo game. Of course, they would never cancel that. No. Um, and uh, a Halo digital series produced by Blade Runner director Ridley Scott's production team. And also, there's going to be a show called Air Street United, which is going to be about t- it's going to be tied to the soccer World Cup. stuff, right? Soccer yeah. stuff. Notice we mentioned IDW in our regular news segment. Mm-hmm. No talk about Winter World. You see, that's the, that's the thing that frustrates me is that they had some interesting original programming projects that was part of their big sell at E3. And I hate to keep going back to E3, but that was their big sell. Look at all this original programming that yeah. we're going to have. Look at all these things that we're going to do now and put ourselves up there or even past PlayStation and Sony. And now, rewind people, that's not happening. Yeah. So they're already getting their ass handed to them by Sony already in sales. This is not going to help. And no, because like I said, I don't have an Xbox One, I don't have a PS4, neither do you. And it's like, okay, if I had to think about this, okay, would I want to buy a console from a company that just laid off 18,000 people? Not only that, but I mean, what makes, suddenly what makes Microsoft any better than Sony now? At all. At all. I mean, what sets them apart? Nothing anymore. Because at least these project w- projects with that little thing that would have at least given you pause and said, hi, you know what? I'd really like to be able to watch Halo and Winter World, but now I can't. It's, and it, well, Halo you can watch because they said they're not gonna, it's not going to be disrupted. But Winter World, like, the, the first issue they couldn't keep in stores and it was because it was going to be on Xbox. Right, the, that was a the, big thing. We talked about that. Yeah. So it's going to affect guys like our friend Bob over at Fantasy Escape. Yep. You know, because he's going to say, okay... Winter World got canceled. Ripple effects, man. You know, or I mean, they haven't said anything about it, but my guess is that it's not in production. It's not yet. in production, so, so it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. So, you know, 
what's going to happen is that you're going to have guys like Bob and our local shops say, okay, how much do I order? Like, I can't, you know, you, when, when for, the way the first issue sold, it's like, okay, I can order as much as I want because I know it's going to sell. Now it's like, like I, like I went, you know, the, the, the place I was at yesterday had number two, and I'm like, issue two, I'm like, there's a good amount of it. Now, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think that IDW is probably hoping that Winterworld just sells well in its own merits. Yeah. But part of the reason they were re-releasing it in the first place was because of this uh, series that was it's coming out. the agreement with Xbox. Exactly. So now here's my thing, though. Does Sony kick Microsoft directly in the balls and pick up a couple of the projects that are now defunct because of this? I think, you could, I think we will see that. I think because, you know, you have... The pot, you know, the power thing going on. Sony, like I said, Sony. It's not like Sony doesn't have plans to do their own original and it's, programming. And it's not like they don't have production studios available. And that, I mean, if anybody could do it, it's Sony. It's not like Microsoft. Well, the thing is too, it's not like Microsoft had a lot of experience producing programming anyway. Well, so, well, the thing is too is you look at you know from a standpoint of business. All right, um, the thing is, is like if you're IDW or whoever, and you say, well, let's see here. We had this agreement with Microsoft, and it fell through in a big, big way. Sony has pretty much had stability for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna if I have an idea for a show, or something, I'm going to Sony because a, especially if you're, if you're independent, because Sony's shown with independent gaming yep. how they're open to like, hey, we love independent games and gamers and creationists, you know, the people who create these independent stuff. You know, if you're like an IDW or a Dark Horse and you're an independent publisher or Dynamite and you say, okay, we want to do a show based on something. It, you know, if our friend Nancy Collins said, I want to do a Vampirella TV series or miniseries, she should, I think, more likely go to Sony because Sony has a better track record. I think the other places, let's not discount Netflix, let's not discount Amazon. They've, they've been doing a lot of right. good work with their production as well. Yeah, I mean, who picked up Community. Even maybe Machinima jumps on and does something like Winter World. I mean, there there's options, right. but they shouldn't have to have options because they had a deal in place with Microsoft. And unfortunately, for people, and I don't want to discount some of the other series either that are not going to yeah. happen. I don't remember them off the top of my head, and I apologize for that. But um, we don't want to discount them either because they shouldn't get screwed either in this deal. But it, it's just unfortunate, not just for the series that aren't coming out and the production workers that aren't going to have jobs now, but for those factory workers as well. And the la- Exactly. And the last thing I want to say about this before we move on to our next um, story is that, you know, this this is a game changer. Like, this really is. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of people look at Microsoft totally, totally different. It's a game changer in a game that they were already losing. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's tough. And again, you know, it sucks to those people who lost their hey, jobs. Ni- hey, Nintendo, here's your chance. Here's your chance to get back in the game. Microsoft is on the ropes. Time to hit them hard. You got to get, but this is your chance to take number two back, I think. But speaking of taking things well, not back, but just in a different direction. Oh, it's back, just in a different sense of the word. Yeah, um, back assed. Um, USA Today reports that Marvel is changing the Hulk. Marvel came out and said they're going to change the Hulk. We shouldn't be shocked at this by this point, though. But I mean, you know, we had Thor being changed last week, and you had Superior Iron Man, and then you Captain had America. Captain America, which we knew was happening. And then you're like, oh, okay, we're going to change the Hulk and make him super intelligent, um, though it causes, quote, side effects. Of course now, it does. Okay, I'm reading 
two Hulk runs right now. Now, this was from the extremist biotechnology that Stark yes. used to save Banner. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm reading two Hulk arcs right now. I'm reading regular Hulk, and I'm reading Hulk vs. Iron Man, which is tied to the original Sin, which is also tied to um, the regular Hulk series. Which and, lived in the house that Jack built. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the way this was, was when I mentioned weeks ago that, yeah, they Marvel knew they messed up by making him mentally challenged to say, okay, how can we fix this? Well, let's put extremists in his brain. And, yeah, it helped him. And in one issue, he was back to being Bruce Banner. Um, this one, in, in, in Hulk vs. Iron Man, it kind of sets up like, okay, back and forth kind of between the present and the past. And after the orb kind of has this blast that, you know, causes everybody to see, like, oh, my God, this person did this, this person did that. Mm. And, you know, um, this isn't a big shock to me. Because it said, Marvel said a couple months ago they were going to go this route where, you know, after Mark Wade left, after issue four of, regular, of the regular Hulk series and uh, Jerry Dugan and Mark Bagley were coming in for number five, they were going to go for the route where, okay, he wants to now go after and chase and hunt down these gamma creatures, kind of like these gamma beings. Right. Like She-Hulk, like she which is weird, um, and like Abomination. But here's a problem, though. A, he already does that. Right. B, in the Hulk versus Iron Man series, he talks about how Banner does, how he doesn't want to use gamma rays to create a bomb. He's telling Thunderbolt Ross, he goes, and he tells him to start this, he goes, my goal is to, uh, he said, my, my goal is to create, uh, solve world hunger using gamma radiation, um, by using a new cold storage method, and I can cure Alzheimer's with gamma rays. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so you're infusing people with gamma rays, yet you want to hunt down gamma rated Yeah, people. I'm going to cure you, but then I'm going to have to come after you if I'm I I'm going to feed so, you, yeah. but I'm going to kill you afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and th- th- and this made, uh, this makes a super smart Hulk now, which, correct me if I'm wrong, has been done at least twice before yeah. in the past. I mean, it's just, to me, it's another example of Marvel abandoning a good story just to change Because the thing is, is the first, the original, like, the, what drew me to Hulk was issue number one, and it had Bruce Banner, and it had Target, and it said, who shot Banner? And it's like, okay, because it starts off, like, inside the S.H.I.E.L.D. offices, like, some rogue cops or maybe Hydra people, who knows, you know, somebody shot Banner in the head. And it's never, since then, since, like, the first issue, it's never built upon who shot Banner. Yeah, let's abandon that. So it's like, well, wait a minute, who shot Banner? Because like that's an uh, that's an interesting arc because mm-hmm. the, the the silhouette that they gave us was a, was a female. It looked like a female. Mm-hmm. So who knows, you know? But I'm just like, I'm like, oh, like why? Like, you have such a good thing going. Why, you know? Why not go off and make you know um, bipolar Hulk or like sad Hulk? You I know? just you know I, if you're gonna go this, this this route, you know, when I first heard that they were doing Savage Hulk, I'm like, okay, this is what they're gonna tie into. Maybe we're gonna say, hey, we're gonna get his own run. We're gonna do this, this thing, and they're like, oh, well, Hulk, you know, he has this situation where you know he's also a gamma ray person, so is he gonna kill himself? Probably not. No. You know, it, it's just it doesn't make sense at all. I just don't know why you do this just to do it. I think that that's what they're doing because Superior Spider-Man was so successful. When they did that, they feel like, oh, well, if it worked for Spider-Man... If we do drastic changes to one major character, we can be fine doing the other major characters. Let's just do it all at the same time. I just don't understand why you don't give me the option of this version of Hulk 
And regular Hulk. And the thing is, too, is you have... The, and the, that goes for all the characters. Well, the thing is, too, is the Hulk versus Iron Man, that's part of the original Sin run. And it's like, okay, you have this. Watcher can see other dimensions. Have it in another dimension! Yeah. Where I this mean, happens. DC, and I don't like comparing the two, but I can't, I can't help it in this instance. DC has an Earth 2 book. They've also got Batman, Detective Comics, Batman Eternal, that are separate entities... Because you want to tell that many stories at once. If you, if Marvel, if you want to do that, just do that. Call one, you know, Hulk, and then the other Extremis Hulk. Anything. Yeah, do it. That would be I awesome. Mean, come call, on. call it Extremis Hulk, and then be like, okay, we're gonna do this run, and then have it different. And it's a separate entity. It stands on its own because if you believe in your characters, Joe Casada. If you believe in your characters like Samuel L. Jackson says you do, yes. then maybe you should try expanding them into several different issues instead of pissing on them and doing it this way. It's 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 as a Marvel fan, it's really hard, man. It's, I know, it's, I, it's, I, it's I see because, it in your eyes, man. Because it's 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 sad because like they have so many good arcs and they're like you know what, we're just gonna totally change this because you know we gotta do it it's like you don't have to it's like you're number one in sales I mean and I know you that know, you're number one in sales why and I know this isn't unprecedented like DC killed off Barry Allen and then brought him back later on yeah. with Wally West I mean I'm not saying you can never do stuff like this but you're first of all you're doing it all at once second of all you're doing it in a way. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't. If Thor died somehow, yeah. Thor. Let's say Thor dies, and then Molinar has to be passed on. Mjolnir. To sorry, Mjolnir. My my fault. So let's say it has to be passed on to someone else. Just like when a Green Lantern dies, and the ring has to go to someone else. I've been sort of Hail Jordan. Why don't you just do it that way? Yeah. Why doesn't Thor die? Why do you have to say, oh, he's not worthy anymore? Well, if he dies, you got no choice. It's got to find someone. So, yeah. if you did it that way, I guess I'd be more okay with but it. But let's stop with this and go to a happier place. And like, 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 happy. like Happy Gilmore. You know, let's go to a happier place where Grandma's winning slot machines. That's right. And just, you Julie know. Julie Bowen's in her oh, suit kind of thing. Yeah. Picture of what was it, lemonade? Picture, but beer. Two pictures, it was beer. Two pictures right, of right. beer walking through a sprinkler. Let's go to that happy place. Much better things a little coming. Person, a little person on a unicycle. Let's go to that happy place. Much better things coming from DC, and they're already talking about the big Arrow and Flash crossover, which both shows look like they are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, Flash actually debuted its or their um, pilot last night. And it's gotten rave reviews. People saying it's probably one of the best superhero shows People on TV. People have been saying that about Gotham, too, which makes me excited for that as well. But, I mean, they don't want to wait to merge the two universes because no. they started it in Arrow. And, and notice, like, the CW is going to... Uh, Arrow's third season will premiere October 8th. So, yeah, a couple, few months... And they're going to do it in very early on in the season. It's going to be in one of the first nine episodes. Yeah. And actually, uh, Andrew uh, Kaisenberg 
actually said it's really going to be an adventure with Arrow and Flash on both episodes. Watching the two teams come together and fight alongside each other, it's one of the most fun parts. We just don't believe in waiting. Thank you. We believe in accelerating storytelling, and especially for those first nine episodes of the season for both shows, hopefully we've designed it so that none of them... Will be uh, will be missed. Yeah, kind and here's the thing about this is that this is smart because you go back to the comics. You're a big DC guy, James. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrow and Flash team up, and it's really one of the most interesting arcs. Yeah, because in the arc, Arrow kind of like, oh my god, what have I become? He's kind of like, there's a part where Arrow loses it in the in the run. Like, yeah, it's, it's, and don't forget, Green Lantern is involved in that team up as well. There was a big team up for a long time between Green yeah. Lantern and. Green Arrow, and they've kind of teased Hal Jordan a couple times on Arrow, so we don't know if they're going that route, but one of the other things that I think is exciting is they also talked about who the main villain's going to be oh, yeah. for Arrow Season 3, and they've they've dropped hints, and I've got ideas, because they all, he went on to say that Slade was had a very specific agenda, meaning Deathstroke. Said he was out for revenge and had to stop an elaborate five-year plot. What's interesting about the villain in season three is that he doesn't necessarily disagree with Oliver. He doesn't have any personal personal animus towards the Arrow, and he actually, in some ways, has very similar worldviews, but thinks the Arrow is thinking too small. Who does that sound like? Um, one. Tell me if I'm getting this right. Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, that really does. And we've already got the League of Assassins established in the Arrow universe. And of course, Sarah went with Nessa Al Ghul at the end of the season finale in season two. Thanks for ruining it for me, asshole. So sorry about that. So um, I haven't seen I haven't seen season two. You jackass! I, I, you knew that. I totally you knew I didn't have cable. That. No, no. Fuck you. Totally you knew, I didn't, about you, that. you knew I didn't have cable. Why did they even said earlier in the show? Hey, I got wait till it's on Netflix. They just went right through one ear and out the other. Asshole. If it makes you feel any better, it doesn't really ruin anything. You see it coming in the middle of the but season. But still, dude. But on. I mean. Uh, there's just so much that's going on. They also released the Red Arrow, a.k.a. Arsenal, photo for Roy finally gets his suit. Yeah. Which is great. And, I mean, if you look at the picture of it, it looks like basically kind of a red version. Of Arrow. Of Arrow. But it's got, you know, it's got a little different design. It's got buckles on it. It's got uh, a little bit more weaving on the actual jacket part. So cosplayers, get ready. Because that's, <laughs> a, that's coming. I actually wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried to pull that off short term at uh, Comic-Con. But, I mean, look at all the stuff that they're going to be introducing in The Flash. We've got Plastique, they announced, was going to be part of it now. Uh, Weather Wizard. Yeah. Uh, they're casting uh, Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold now. It'll also tease Reverse Flash, too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they've got Professor Zoom's going to be in there. They apparently, from what I'm hearing in the pilot... Show an empty cage with Grodd. So Gorilla Grodd, Nat. So all these villains that are going to be possibilities. And then you think, okay, who's the villain going to be in the team-up for Arrow and, and the Flash? Because there's probably going to be a main baddie that yeah. they both need to team up to go after that crosses both universes. So I just think that they've ramped it up. Yeah. They've, they just this is also the first up. show CW's really had where they can do the crossover. And they did it smart because, like, hey, we got these two guys who are in the comics, have history together, so we can tie them together. I like the fact that they've got an entity that they know is working, that they know is being successful and has a lot of buzz on social media. Not just Stephen Amell's page, but the Arrow Facebook page has, what, 4 million likes yeah. right now? And The Flash is going to catch up quickly as he... 
First you ruin Arrow for me, then you use a that flash That doesn't bomb. ruin Arrow. Anybody that's watched Arrow knows that doesn't even ruin But you ruin Arrow. the end of the season, that's too. Not the end of the, that's not the main part of the ending if you friggin' watch it instead of... I can't! Because I can't afford and cable! And affording $20 for basic cable, you wouldn't have to worry about this. I'm sorry, mister. Ooh, look at me. I have, you know, this. I, I have all this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I... I'm not going to expand. And you have the internet. How have you not seen this already? Because I don't believe in piracy. I'm not talking about buying it piracy. I'm talking about actually seeing it on a post somewhere. How have you not? I live posted during these episodes. You were on the page. (laughs) You had to see something. And if anybody that watches Arrow can go on our page and tell asshole over here that it is not ruined by me telling him that. Trust me, that is not the main arc. Can I just say that I'm amused by how you've evolved, sir? And I feel for fear for your child if he ever pisses you off. I'm just <laughs> it is okay. That's one part that yes, I did ruin. I'm sorry for that. You'll see it coming the first time she appears on the show, though. Okay. You will see this coming mid-season. Everybody knew this was going to happen. <laughs> so when you get about what, like episode thirteen-ish? Okay. You'll say, oh, I see where this is going, because we all saw where it was going. <laughs> but trust me, there are plenty of other things to look forward to. There's plenty of other oh-my-god moments that you won't have to worry about, because I won't ruin Speaking them. of oh-my-god, we have some other big news from DC. Now that we know what The Rock... The Rock says... Yes, yes, The Rock does say, take, know your role, shut your mouth, take yeah, your ass and jabroni right. drive. There you go. So, I just, again, we saw this kind of coming, right? But yeah. uh, very clever... Uh, reporter for Total Film oh, yeah. interviewing The Rock for uh, Hercules asked some pretty darn good questions and actually yeah. squeezed a little something out of The Rock there. And of course, the rumor that we're kind of confirming at this point is that The Rock will be playing Shazam. Shazam. Because he basically says in this interview, and I, we won't go through the entire quote because The Rock likes to talk. Yes. And we don't want to read the whole thing, but the end of it... The People's Quote says... The People's Quote actually says that this character has the power of Superman and can throw down. And then he pauses for a second. Gets that Dwayne Johnson, The Rock grin. The people, and it gives the people's elbow, eyebrow. And he says, just say the word. That's all I'm going to say. Shazam. So, uh, I just would like it if, like, The Rock gives... Superman, the people's elbow in the middle of Metropolis. That would be funny. That'd that would be, be hilarious. Funny. That would be really funny. Because huh? I like how, like, you've seen the rundown. In the beginning of the rundown, he's, like, in this club, and he has to search, he has to get, like, this this ring from this football player because he owes money. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, the enforcer. And he rock bombs a guy. Like, they yes. snuck it in there. Yes. They're like, we gotta find a way for him to rock bomb like, somebody. Thank you for putting that in. We appreciate that for those of us who are wrestling fans. Now, the reason we're saying Shazam instead of Black Adam, which was also the rumor yeah. that was going around, and of course Shazam... Wait, let's say the word that's... Well, and Black Adam says Shazam too, but think about it. So he could be the main villain in a Shazam movie, which is rumored to be coming out in July of 2016. We'll probably find out later right. on this week, Comic-Con, that that's going right. to happen. Do we really think that The Rock's going to want to play second fiddle to somebody else playing Shazam? No, but here's the you know, thing. Now that I think about it, though, and it's somebody that just, literally just came to me, says he can throw down with Superman. So, Black Adam is going to be a bad guy? Like he's going to be one of the main villains? could Black Adam be a main villain in a, like a Justice League movie? 
I guess maybe. I mean, I would pick other villains first. Right. Like, of course, you'd go Dark Side or Doomsday or something like that for a Justice League type movie first, but I mean, could Black Adam garner that kind well, of attention? I mean, sure. Well, I mean, Batman sure. Begins started off with, I mean, I know it's Rachel Ghoul, but now a lot of people really not only clamor for Rachel Ghoul. This is what people are now, and Scarecrow. I mean, they made. I mean, yeah, that's true. So, so I mean, yeah. you say that about Black Adam, it's like. Hey. But I mean, if you're doing that for like a Shazam movie, I can right. understand it. But I mean, it would have to be he'd have to be a Justice League villain in order to throw down with Superman. Right, and he even said he goes, he's like, it's not. He said the first thing he said he was like, it's not John Stewart, it's right. not Green Lantern, and you kind of like, understand. He's why. like, they already did a Green Lantern movie. Yeah. And it was a torrential flop. Well, you gotta be, you gotta feel sorry for the guy that's gonna play Green Lantern next. I know. Whether it's John Stewart or Hal Jordan or uh, Kyle Rayner, any other version of the Green Lantern that they're gonna do. Yep. I mean, even Guy Gardner. I mean, it doesn't matter which version of the Green Lantern yeah. you pick. You gotta feel sorry it's for like, that guy. It's like you have low expectations because nobody expects anything big. Mm-hmm. But then it's like high expectations because it's like it's just such a monumental failure. Anything less than another. Hacky and Green Lantern is just like really, and it sucks for DC too because you can't do a Justice League movie without Green Lantern. No, you can't. You can't. I don't care how many other characters you have. You can't leave out a Justice League member like Green Lantern. As much as we'd like to forget about Ryan Reynolds, you can't leave him out. So you're gonna have to cast somebody at some point. And I agree with you. You can't go the Hal Jordan route now after all this stuff has gone down. No, you I just I, you can't do it. Yeah, I think my, my final say in this is that I, I think if they're going to go with the Green Lantern, they got to go John Stewart. They got to. Let's, let's make that happen. And speaking of which, the indies have really started to make things happen. Things are cooking. We're going to talk about how the indies are striking back with our next main topic on Down and Nerdy. A long time ago, in a comic book store far, far away, Two comic book companies rule the realms. One world, Marvel. The other, DC. Fighting a war amongst each other for many, many years. But a new threat has arisen. (laughs) In this day and age, the Indies... Strike back. And we're not talking about da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, we're not talking about We're <laughs> no. talking about IDW, Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, and they are all dynamite as far as we're concerned. Yeah, so I mean, IDW, Archie, Archie you know, you said Valiant, Image, Oni Press, Abstract Studio. They are rising. They are, they, they are, like, they're not taking a major part of the market, but they're, like, as far as, like, Creative development and just TV and everything are starting to come along and start to get that piece. And I think that that's part of a good way to start it is that we're not talking about comics anymore from them. They're expanding yeah. into TV and even in some cases features. We just talked about Lock and Key getting the feature treatment last week. Yeah. That's going to be coming. There's just a lot of exciting things coming from the indies who before, if you weren't super into comics you probably didn't know about these independent publishers but they're really allowing creators to branch out and I think that's what's making the difference yeah it's, it's, it's making the difference because it's like we're such a technology driven world right now and it's just it's easy to get your content out there and you mentioned this last night we were talking about the episode itself James like how are we going to approach this and you said you go you know, there are just times where you're reading a Marvel or you're reading a DC and just like, you know, I want something different. I want, I, I'm tired right. of reading Superman. Right. I want to read something maybe a little bit darker or just, just something just different. Maybe, you know, instead of reading about Superman, 
maybe I want to read about, you know, preach, you know, or not preacher, but just like, you well, know. Preacher's winter, a good enough example, I think. Read about yeah. preacher or, or um, you know, uh, Winter World or I just think Tomb that, Raider. I just think that we'd be lying to ourselves if we ever said we were going to stop reading Batman and Superman yeah. and Spider-Man, stuff like that. You're always going to want to go with what you love the most, and that is what we love the most. Yeah. But at the same time... You can read a lot of Batman because there's a lot of it. You can read a lot of Superman, Spider-Man, but then every now and then, it's, just like with television, you're like, yeah, let me see what else is on. It's like, with, well, it's like with food. It's like, you know, your eyes digest a certain run or comic or comic book publisher right. every week or every so often. You know, I mean, my shelves are more stock of Marvel comics mostly than DC, And really. you're a Marvel guy, and that's I'm a Marvel expected. guy. But there's just times, like, you know, my eyes get full, like, oh, Marvel again? Yeah. Like, you know. You look at your poll and you're no, like, Seriously, wow. no. I swear to God, there are times I look at my poll, I'm like, oh, Marvel again? Well, let's really? just look at the picture of my poll that I posted yesterday on all Facebook.com. DC. All Batman. It was all DC. Well, Batman Day was yesterday, so yeah. I kind of understand why that happened. But, I mean, but, but you, there, there was a Winter World in there. I also yep. had a Marvel title in there. And I've, I'm putting more and more indie comics in my poll because... And I'll be honest, get, just getting back into comics in recent years, I have to go back now and find all this stuff. Now that I've talked to people like Drew Moss that have opened my eyes to places like IDW. Yeah, Drew, like I said, we've talked about the story many times. Nancy Collins will throw her in Nancy Collins will throw her too. Um, but we've talked about the story many times. When we, Drew was literally the first <coughs> person at the first Taiwan Comic Con we met. Um, and he worked at, you know, he works for IDW. And we just asked him, like, what's it like working for an independent company as opposed to a DC and Marvel? And what's the first thing he said? Freedom. Creative freedom. And that was the bottom line for me. And that's what really piqued my attention. Because, you know, you see Ninja Turtles there, and you think to yourself, oh, so this is more mainstream than I thought. And you see stuff like Transformers. And then as you got to talking, Drew, it's like, you know what? You come in with an idea... And they're gonna listen to you, and they're gonna, and you never know where it might go. Yeah, and they and allow you to create. That is that, but from like an yeah, from like an artist standpoint, from a writer standpoint, like I said, Crow Pestilence, amazing series, like so great, mm-hmm. um, great artwork. You know, of course, Drew works on it, but it's like there's just certain things I saw in Crow Pestilence where I'm like, okay, if this was like maybe a Vertigo or, or just like a DC or a Marvel title, I'm like, yeah, this maybe would not have been the greatest because there are certain liberties they take with this because it's independent that they can do more and expand more upon. And I think that's what it is too and I think that they it affords them the ability to take more risks yeah. too and and I and maybe that's not fair for the big guys you know maybe they can't take as many risks because of the publicity that would come well, back on I, them but well, again I think it's also probably because of the comics authority kind of thing. And there's that too and I think that it's just it gives you more of an opportunity because they're not tied obviously if you're DC You've got to focus a lot of attention on Batman and a lot of attention on Superman. And I'm not saying that independents don't do the same thing with their certain properties, but you don't have too many independents except for maybe Walking Dead with Image. Right. Where you have where you look at them and say, Okay, they've got to focus seventy five percent of their energy on this and it's sometimes to the detriment of other books. Right. You don't see that with places like Dark Horse, especially with them losing Star Wars to Marvel now. Yeah. You don't see that with places like Dark Horse with IDW. There's no, you know, shining title that they have to focus on. It allows them to get their all their resources and pull them towards all their projects. Right. And that's the thing, is like, you know, you mentioned it. You just hit the nail on the head. You know, they have all these smaller properties, you know, like the bigger names like Transformers and TMNT. 
but they can expand upon it. They say, okay, we can just do what we want and just, you know, we don't have to. It's, not, it's like Microsoft. You know, they have Halo. All the resources are going into Halo. Exactly. But as far as original other content games, there's not much there. Whereas IDW, they say, okay, we got pieces here, pieces here, pieces here. We can just evenly spread the love around. And the cool thing about these, these indie publishers, too, is they're all over the map. Yeah. I mean, you could go from something like like Winter World or like uh, like Outcast or something like that and then turn around and the same publisher has Red Adventure Sonia. Time or uh, My Little Pony, Pony. Which, sells, Power Rangers. which sells really well, by the way. I mean... And it's all on what you like. Hey, I did. You know, don't, don't, I'm not saying that to, to cut you down or anything. It's all on what you like because there's some weird stuff that I like there's too. There's some but, weird pony shit on that internet. But I mean, seriously, I mean, it allows them to do stuff like that. Whereas, like you said earlier, with DC and Marvel, it's all capes and heroes and, and yay, yay kind of thing. And it depends, like, welcome to hell. Exactly. And it's just you run the gauntlet of different ideas that you can do. Whereas, if Marvel or DC tried to do something like that, a couple of idiots like this, us are going to sit up here and say, oh, that's a risky thing to do. No, kind of well, thing. that, but also you're going to get the parents of like, you know, my son, he read Spider-Man. Now, why is in here he's like at a strip club doing blow? Why? <laughs> yeah, you can't really do that. So That's not the Peter Parker I know. And the thing is, and that maybe Marvel should take a couple notes looking at some of the indie guys is, is that how about they create their own characters? How about a book like uh, Intersect that was yeah. announced by uh, Image to kind of kick off Comic-Con? It's going to be by Ray Fox, who does Constantine and Pandora and yeah. some issues of Batman Eternal. That's a very cool concept that's going to be coming out from Image Comics, but it's a very dark and sinister world that couldn't exist probably in Marvel or DC. So it allows somebody like that who works for Big Name coming in a branch out and do something a little different too. Yeah, and you know we talked to a friend of a friend of ours and friend of mine, uh, Riley Brown, who does Deadpool. And I asked, I go, you know, we actually we talked to Drew about you know the whole freedom thing. I'm not saying Marvel doesn't give their guys freedom, but it's kind of, but I asked him like, what drew you to Deadpool? He's like, Marvel just told me they put me on it. They just came to me and said, hey, <laughs> you're, on, you're on you're on Deadpool, you know. And he's like, that's what it was. Um, you know, and I think it might go the same way too with like. An indie guy, indie people, but I think it's more. I think it's more of a thing of like, um, a artist or whoever writer can come up to somebody and say, "Hey, I got this idea, and let's put these people together." Here's the other thing too: is that if you if you have Twitter, and Lord knows you probably do, if you look at some of the tweets from some of your major players in the comic industry, like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, yep. people like that, uh, even even uh, uh, Riley Brown, people like that. Even Guy. What are they reading? Yeah. I've seen tweets from major creators about a series, uh, indie series, Trees. Yeah. It has gotten rave reviews from creators. These are their peers that are working for another company that are reading this and going, wow, this is something totally different, and the, and they just love it. And books like Intersect could be like. But that here's as the well. thing too. At the same time, though, comic the comic book industry just because say for instance, say for instance, Dream Job. I work for Marvel. You work for DC. Okay. Right? Just because we work for these companies doesn't mean that we can't read each other's work and enjoy each other's work. Exactly. It's like saying. I work at Burger King, but I can't go to McDonald's. You know, it's 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 like that. Right. It's, you got limited to that, the, you know? The thing that I you, you kind of get the impression, it, once you hang around enough of these people, and we've had a, a good opportunity to be able to do that, is that 
it's a community. Yeah. It's not like a us versus you guys kind of thing. Yeah. It's very much a community. You got guys from all different companies that'll sit down, read each other's work, praise each other's work, because at the end of the day, they're all creators. Yeah. They're all artists. And plus, the thing is, too, is a lot of the artists are freelance. A lot of the writers yeah, are freelance. A lot of that, it's going a lot of that route now. And I think a lot of the reasons that some of your major, not just artists, but writers, too, are, are doing freelance now because they want that freedom to do other things. I mean, for example, I mean, you look at a guy like Grant Morrison, who's done a lot of work with Batman. He's going back to Boom Studios again. Yeah. Look at Gail Simone, who's going to be doing a run of uh, uh, One Shot for Vampirella. Vampirella. I mean, these are creators. I mean, Gail Simone was working on Batgirl. I've mentioned Ray Fox, who's working on Constantine, Pandora, Trinity of Sin. They're going the indie route because they want to stretch their creative legs and do something a little different, just yeah. like we were saying earlier. You will always love what you love, but you still at some point want to do something a little different. And not that, but you also, as a reader, you want, like I said before, you want you crave something different. And, you know, I got some statistics here. And these statistics are from Diamond Comic Distributors Incorporated, which is literally the main source for anything. They're the giant book that Bob shows us when yes. we're trying to figure out what we want to pull out. Yes. Um, and uh, so, I mean... I'll start off in 2003 and I'll work back in, in 2002. Okay. okay. I'll work my way backwards. So in 2003, which is of course last year, Marvel and DC of course topped out retail market shares at 33.5% and 30%. Okay. So Marvel was one, DC was two. Dark Horse, 5.1%, IDW, 6.47%, and Image had 8%. They rounded up the top five. Um, top comic in 2013, Walking Dead. Yep. Image Comics. Number one. Um, everything. Now here's the interesting thing in 2013. Everything else in the top 100, other than number one and number 44, which is also an Jupiter's Image Comics. Jupiter's Legacy, I think that was. Yep. Which was uh, Image Comics, was Marvel and DC. So yep. out, of, out of the top 100 last year of comics sold, two were Image Comics, which were indie comics. Go back to 2002, same statistics-wise percentage, Image was at 6.3, Dark Horse 6.52, and now IDW was found in 1999, right? Yes. Okay, so... They were on a table then. Like, they were nowhere on that table. One year later, 2003, number 10th in the market. Wow. So that's, wow. that's the statistic I told you last time. Like, that's don't read impressive. my statistics. I want something to show you. That's impressive. One year, IDW went from we're not on the list anywhere to, you know, it was like one of the, you know, it was like, you know, because the way Diamond has their things up, it's like, okay, here's these names, mm -hmm. and there's all these like, non major comics, and it's just one group. It's like we went from that group. To our own group in intent. That's crazy. And I mean, I think that this bears repeating too that issue number 115 of The Walking Dead was the number one selling comic last year. It sold over 329,000 units. Yeah. That's a lot of books, man. And if you look at the trade paperbacks for 2013, Image had the top six of 2013 yeah. the trades Saga and Walking Dead were the were yep. the, were the and two I'm reading Saga and I love number it number one and even Boom Studios had success with Adventure Time as well I mean go back to June of 2014 and number 11 on the list for top selling books was Outcast first issue of Outcast yeah. by Image Saga was and number here's 19 the, now here's the thing now here's the interesting thing the top comic in 2002 was Marvel Ultimates number one but 14 of the top 100 were independent. And people say, well, well, it's not much of a big 
you know, deal, how can you say they're coming back when they were once had 14 in the top 100, but now they only had two? Well, here's the reason why. This was right around when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Same thing with DC. So it's kind of like IDW and these independents don't have the cinematic universe right. these guys do. So when you have the Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy, and you have the Spider-Mans and the Iron Mans and Avengers, that you're going to pump out more comics yeah. and people get more read, read more because it's going to build to the cinematic universe. You, so that's why the the, in, the independents dropped off in the top 100. But as you just mentioned, they're making their way back because they're number ones like almost every month. Not only that, but you also have to consider that DC launched the new 52 not too long ago. Yep. Marvel has flooded the marketplace with number one issues over the last few months. Stormer one came out yesterday. I mean, Iron Patriot, Silver Surfer, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, Black Widow. I mean, Moon Knight, it goes on and on yep. and on. People are going to pick up number ones Yeah, just to try it out. How we do that. Yeah. So you're going to – these statistics for especially the recent ones are a little – a little, a little swayed because you've got number one issues yeah. by major publishers flooding and, the market. And the thing is, like, I, I, last week I was at Bob's and um, I want, I, I'm like, I gotta pick up an independent comic. I'm like, I want to see what they got, and I want, I saw Spawn. I'm like, oh, I want to get Spawn, but the art was all right, but. It, right, issue number 252. I'm like, it's way too far. It's, and that's difficult. And it's, it's difficult. difficult. And, that's, and that's the thing with a lot of the independents. It's not their fault, but it's just a lot of the independents, they're issue number, on issue number 6, mm-hmm. issue number 15, issue number 200-something. So it's it's tough. And we know they're trades, but it's hard to catch up when you're 250-something issues. I just, why even said, why even said, like, with Preacher, like, I picked it up and I looked like, okay, how many, like, it's a thick book. But I'm like, how many pages are? Oh my God, there's 325 pages. Not only that, I mean, if you can't afford cable, you can't afford to buy 10 trades for yeah. friggin' Spawn and catch up and get to. Uh, and not to mention what that would take you a year and to do a live preacher. Read? And to mention, preachers, I only have book one. So that's like probably another 300. Well, at least that one you could probably catch up a little quicker because there was 66 issues, right? Right, but at least but what I'm saying is that's like 600 pages. That's a lot, That's man. That's a lot. We have lives. We have jobs. We yeah. need to You're going to have a kid. We need, <laughs> we need sleep at some point. So you, I can understand that, that you, that you, you know, it's a hard time to catch up. But, I mean, there are some good ones that are coming out. I mentioned Outcast. I mentioned Trees. Uh, all the stuff that we're finding out at yeah. Comic-Con. Image Comics had, uh, they had 12 new presentations yesterday. Uh, IDW's five so far. I think they've got another Transformers uh, book that's going to be coming out yep. from IDW. We'll get to all this in our Comic-Con episode next week. But what I'm saying is there there will be opportunities for certain books that you can go out there and grab. And do not discount these indie comics because I can tell you that the art is still good. I mean, look at Greg Capullo. Did not just start out on Batman. I'm getting ready to start reading Haunt, which is an independent series. Greg Capullo did the art for Haunt. Yeah. So he's, you know, the Batman god now of art, but, I mean, this was something that he did before, and I'm sure there's other things that he's going to do to stretch his legs, not just draw Batman for the rest of his life. All right, so here's the thing. Here's some hypotheticals here. Where do you see independent comics five years from now? I mean, movies, television, comics, sales, whatever. I think that you have to factor in the success of any feature films, television series, uh, even web series that may come about from, say, the Winter Worlds, the Lock and Keys of the World. Yep. Uh, I think that you'll see a lot more of that, and I think that 
Right now, the gap is uh, 36% Marvel, 31% DC. Right. Now, think about that. You're number one with 36% of sales. Yeah. So, think not about Not 50, this. not right. 60. You're not blowing them out of the water right now. I mean, Image not is sitting 40. at 11%. I see... I don't want to go too far here. In five years, I see a much tighter race... For second place. Okay. I think somebody's still going to distinguish themselves, whether it's Marvel or DC. I, I think that... I think you're going to have that one guy at the top, but I think somebody like Image or IDW... And Image, a lot of this is Walking Dead. Yeah. So that's why they're at 11% Walking Dead and it being as popular as this. And Mar Walking Dead might not be around in five years. Yeah. It might end its run. I'm not sure that's a show that's going to go 10 seasons. Yeah. Deep. So, I mean, where do you go from there? Right. So they just happen to catch lightning in a bottle. Where do they go from there? So I think that with the creative directions going now with some of these newer books and some of these bigger names that are going at least for a run over to independent studios, I think that you're going to see at least one indie publisher crack the 20% the mark. I, here's what I think you're going to see. Um, five years from now, there's going to be a much tighter race, like you said, for second place. But I think I can see Image... At twenty percent of the market share, um, I can see them do that. Here's why: as I mentioned, I read over and over again. I read Saga. Saga is quickly turning into. Like you mentioned like, what happens if Walking Dead's on? Saga is going to take over. Well, they'll be okay with Saga. Because I Saga, get it. no question. If about Walking that. Dead leaves, Saga will take over, and Saga is something you can take and make a series out of. Definitely, but to maintain that percentage and to raise it once Walking Dead goes away. You need to fill that gap. Right. So they need to find that next creative but here's project. The thing. And maybe one of the ones they've announced today is that. But here's the thing is that you know, we mentioned earlier in the segment that hey, we're seeing these guys and these, these women from these big companies going to these independent companies. That's what's going to help because you're going to have these big ideas on these companies, on these IDWs, these dark horses, these, these things from these people who are gods in the DC Marvel Universe. And what does it tell you? That these people would take their time to go to an independent and say, hey, why don't we do this together? Yeah. I mean, that says something. This is not just a, come on, this isn't about just about money. No. Because you really think that Grant Morrison's getting more money at Boom than he did when he was working for DC? Or do you really think Gail Simone, they're backing the Brinks truck up for her to do an issue of Fairy Tales? <laughs> I don't think so. They're doing this because, A, they believe in the project. Yep. Or they believe in an idea that they have or that was pitched to them. Yeah. I think about that. So they're not bound to the paycheck. These are creators that want to create. Everybody wants to make money. Yeah. I'm not an idiot. Everybody wants to make money. But these are creators that want to create, whether it's artists, writers, whatever. They have these ideas or they have other things that they find interesting and they're going to grab it, and they're going to independence to do it. Yeah, like I said, you know, uh, the way that independents are going today, it's it's very promising because, you know, as a kid, I didn't read a lot. I read comic books, but I said mostly Marvel and DC and stuff, big stuff. Not really independent. The only independent comic I had when I was a little kid was uh, 007, James Bond. And there weren't many options, no. honestly. Um, and... Uh, so I look at this, I look at it now, and I'm like, you know, I read a lot of Goosebumps and Animorphs, stuff like that. But I'm like, TV, like, where do I see it? Like, the web, it's free. Like, like I mean, you pay for internet, but still, you know, Machinima... Right, it's still free. Well, Machinima is, has such a great success with Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Right. So, 
yeah, hey, let's team up with uh, IDW or Boom and or, or Valiant yeah. or Valiant. And say, hey, let's do a web series on something. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, that's the way. That's the wave of the future, man. I you mean, know, that's one thing I doing. wish they would do. Okay, this is this isn't a comic, really, but it's an anime. Um, I wish that they would if you were to do a web series, um, do an Akira web series. Okay, well, instead we did, of a movie, we had the fan film for that when we were talking about yeah. fan film. So expand on that and do. I could see that. You yeah, know, but but I'm saying like in terms of also manga as well. Yeah, like, you know. Oh yeah, you can definitely manga, branch out through there. You can there, branch yeah. out through there and make. That's what I'm saying. Because I said any comics, it's not just like IDIW. It's it's the mangas. It's the it's the. I think with, I think with manga though is that it's starting to catch up here. Manga has yeah. always been very popar in Japan. Yeah. Um, definitely still more popular. It's like soccer. Yeah. Soccer's not so popular here. It's great. People in Europe kill each other over yeah. it. But it's not as popular here now. It's getting there here. And I think manga is the soccer of the print world in America. Yeah. And that it's gaining popularity here. And there will be a time where it's time to capitalize on that. And speaking of time, it is that time we must come to the sadness of a close in this week's episode. Wah, wah, wah. Yep. But, hey, just because this episode was done doesn't mean that... We're going to stop uh, posting stuff for San Diego Comic Con. Keep on our page. we got a lot of stuff coming. Follow us, facebook.com slash downnerdy. On Twitter, at downnerdy757. I'm on Twitter, at nickpataglia25. James. I'm at James Ace with him. Don't forget, you can email us to downnerdypodcast at gmail.com because eventually we'll have our fan questions episode. Eventually. Um, but no, again, thanks to the cosplayers who you know are, are just make our lives so much happier by just you know knowing that hey, thank you, and and you know it's it's more of us saying thank you to you for spending the money you do and putting the costumes together. Thank you to everybody who's listening to the show. Thank you to everybody who's I've gotten messages from people who saying hey, I'm going to be coming to Comic Con, Tower Comic Con, just to see you guys. Yeah, there you go. You know. Um, which is pretty awesome. And, you know, it's to all of our fans around the world, because we are a global podcast. Six continents, baby. Six continents. Um, That's that Shaq and Antarctica, man. We got to do something about that. We got to do something about yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to find them. I mean, I'm thinking carrier pigeon right now, if he can make it. Carrier pigeon, sled dog, whatever. We'll find, we'll find a way. We'll get him a nice coat via Winter World or something. Yep. We'll, we'll have a carrier pigeon in Winter World cosplay. Yes! Headed towards Antar- Antarctica. But... As I close the show with this, I will always say from here to eternity, always practice safe comic book reading, bag and board your comics.